Do you think you're a better mother to your children than your mother was to you? Uh, While hooked to a lie detector machine, a man might be asked, do you like your mother-in-law? That's a good one, right? Or do you believe you'll be married to your wife for the rest of your life? Uh, I've never watched the show. I've just seen the commercials. I certainly don't recommend it. I've heard that the higher the stakes became, uh, the more sexually explicit the questions would become. Uh, It's rather sad commentary on what entertains our culture. But in this series, here's what we want you to realize as we kick off this new series, is that each and every day, we are faced with moments of truth. Each and every day, as we go through our life, we're faced with these moments of truth. You know, this Tuesday, if you haven't voted already, uh, we're going to vote and cast a vote uh, for one of the two, or I guess there's three names on the ballot, uh, to be President of the United States. Uh, How many of you have voted ahead of time? Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I'm I'm rolling the dice and kind of Assuming Tuesday's going to be really short lines, and uh, I'll probably be there like eight hours. But anyway, uh, Tuesday, you know, that's kind of the day uh, we do that. And it comes every four years. But each moment uh, of each day, uh, by our choices, uh, by our words, by our actions, we cast a vote of allegiance to someone or something. Each day we face moments of truth when it comes to our faith and our devotion and our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And so today what we're doing is we're embarking on a five-week study of the book of Daniel. Uh, We're going to meet some different people throughout the book of Daniel who found themselves facing these moments of truth. And we're going to see how they maintain their allegiance and their devotion. And we're going to be inspired by the way they maintain their devotion to God in the most difficult of situations. Now, we're beginning our series today in Daniel chapter 1. If you have your Bibles and want to turn to Daniel chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible and like one, if you'll just raise your hand. Our host team has some Bibles in their hands, so just raise your hand. They're coming down the aisle, and they'll, they'll see you and get you uh, a Bible. Today's story is not one of the most spectacular stories that we'll read uh, and, and study during this series, uh, but this is so foundational to what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. Because we're going to find guys who, if what takes place in this chapter hadn't taken place, if these guys didn't maintain their devotion here, then they would have missed out on some of the great moments, uh, some of the greatest moments that we read about in the Old Testament. Now today we're going to see how Daniel maintained his devotion to God, maintained his integrity, even when no one was watching. That's not always easy to do, is it? Uh, in fact, to be quite honest, we do some silly things when no one's watching, don't we? Check, check this out. Hey, this is Stoops with the Air Force Academy. Just about every day, it seems like I walk into this room and catch my roommate dancing to some retarded song. So I thought I'd try and catch him on camera and... Uh, We'll see if he does it today, but uh, if you get to see it, it's going to be hilarious.
no commentary, does it? Oh, man. <laughs> who are you when no one is watching? Uh, who are you when no one is watching? Who are you when you're, when you're sitting at your computer at home and there's no one else at home? Uh, who are you on the business trip when you're all alone in your hotel room? Uh, who, who are you when no one is looking? You know, if we were honest, uh, for many, when they feel like no one's watching, they tend to drop their guard, don't they? Uh, You know, we have a lot of examples in the Bible of that. When Cain killed his brother Abel, he thought that no one was watching. When Joseph's brothers threw him in a well and just left him to die, they thought it would just be their little secret. Moses kills a man, and he thinks no one sees it. But not Daniel. He's different. Uh, and as we study, go through this series in the book of Daniel, you're going to find that Daniel is one of only a handful of Bible characters who was just faithful throughout his life. Uh, he was just different. Uh, now, that's not to say he was perfect. Daniel wasn't perfect. But he just faithfully followed God throughout the days of his life. And as we begin this series, really the question that we want to answer through this is what made him so different? And what can we learn from from Daniel's life so that we can be more like him? Now, as as we begin this series, let me give you some historical context here. Now, if you're like into history, you'll love this. If not, just hang with us because this is kind of important just for building a foundation for what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. Look at verse 1 of Daniel 1. If you have one of our Bibles that we handed out, it's page 659 if you're not there yet. Daniel 1, verse 1. In the third year... Of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, when Daniel was a young man, Daniel here is like between the ages of 15 and 18, okay? So, like, he's just, maybe not even have his driver's license yet, you know? I mean, this is how old, uh, how young Daniel is. When he's that age, the Lord allows this pagan king named Nebuchadnezzar to come and just overtake Jerusalem and overtake God's people, take God's people hostage, even let him steal some of the sacred items out of the temple, out of God's temple. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't stop there. Look in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. 
Nebuchadnezzar says, listen, I want you to, you know, we're going to hold all these people hostage. We're going to make life miserable for them. But I want you to go find the best and brightest, okay? Just the, the best young men you can find. And, and we're going to hopefully maybe get them in such a position that they can come serve in, in, my, in my palace. And, and so Daniel and three of his buddies who, you know, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably, uh, three of his buddies and Daniel uh, are, get chosen. They're one of these young men that Ashpenaz chooses. Now, I want you to notice uh, there in the following verses the, the program that Nebuchadnezzar puts Daniel and his buddies through right from the beginning. Uh, it says that they were to undergo a thorough three-year program of education, uh, learning the language, uh, learning the literature of the Babylonians. Now, on top of that, they were to eat the king's choice food and wine. And then in verse 7, we learn that these guys were given new names. Now, you may read that and you go, okay, you know, do we really need to know that? Is that important? It is important because what you need to understand here is, is what's going on is that Nebuchadnezzar's goal here is to change the allegiance of these young Israelite boys. That's his desire. He, he wants to change the way they thought, okay? their worldview, their value system. He wanted to change the way they lived. And so he pampered them and let them sit at the king's table and eat his food and drink his wine. He wanted to change the object of their devotion because he Nebuchadnezzar didn't believe in the God of Israel. And he wants them to forget him as soon as they can. For example, Daniel's name meant the Lord will judge. The Lord will judge. It's a great name because throughout his whole life, anytime Daniel heard his name spoken... It was a reminder that the Lord will set things right. Yeah. Even though we've been overtaken, the Lord's going to set things right. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't want Daniel to be reminded that the Lord uh, of his faith in God. And so Nebuchadnezzar changed Daniel's name to Belteshazzar. Okay, now what's Belteshazzar mean? It actually means this. Baal, protect my life. Baal, protect my life. Baal was one of the idols that was worshipped in Babylon. And this was Nebuchadnezzar's way of saying, you have a new king now. Okay? Your gods let you down. Now your devotion is to me. And your devotion is to this place. You know, that's kind of the world we live in, isn't it? When you think about it. I mean, let's face it, in very many ways we live in a, a, a sort of Babylon where the world just tries to squeeze us and fit us into its mold. It's hard to follow Jesus Christ in our culture at times, isn't it? You feel that pressure. Well, they changed Daniel's name, but what we're going to learn today and over the next several weeks, weeks is that they couldn't change his nature or his devotion. Look at verse 8 of Daniel 1. This is like the hinge verse, not only of chapter 1, but this is the hinge verse of the entire book of Daniel. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now listen, the easiest thing for Daniel and his buddies right here, the easiest thing would have been for, for them just to feel like a victim and, and just go along with the program. But it says Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now maybe you're thinking, well, what would be wrong? with Daniel eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine. Well, here's why. 
according to the Old Testament Jewish law, he could not eat the food and he could not drink the wine. And the reason is the Levitical law said that the Jews were adhered to prohibited, that the Jews adhered to prohibited some of the meats that Daniel was offered. Also prohibited the way that food was prepared in Babylon. Uh, as far as the wine goes in Babylon, any wine that was consumed was a, a form of an offering of toast to the pagan gods. And so to drink any of the wine at the king's table was to offer a toast to the Baal and the pagan gods. And so therein lies the decision that Daniel's faced with here in Daniel 1, to eat and drink and thereby sacrifice any spiritual conviction he has by acknowledging that there are pagan gods or else demonstrate devotion to God by doing what God would want. Well, let me just tell you, he would do that at great risk. Uh, let, let me just let you know, because sometimes you can't read it into the story, but Daniel's actions here uh, took enormous courage. Nebuchadnezzar was, was not the kind of guy that, and the kind of leader who cut people a lot of slack. Uh, in fact, in 2 Kings 25, a pu puppet king named Zedekiah uh, led a rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar. And so here's how Nebuchadnezzar handled it. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had Zedekiah's sons killed right in front of Zedekiah. And then he cut out Zedekiah's eyes so that was the last thing that Zedekiah saw. How many of you have a boss that, like, when he terminates people, he terminates people? Okay. Yeah, well, but that was Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, this, this is who Daniel is dealing with here. And it would have been so easy to just go along with the program and rationalize, hey, you know, we're captives, Okay. Uh, he won. He's taken us over. We're in a foreign land. We don't have any other option. And he's like, you know, this is such a small matter. I mean, food, wine, big deal. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is eating the food. Uh, God, God he'll, he'll understand. It's just a little, you know, tiny exception. After all, you got to eat. And, and God, you know, God knows my heart. You ever said that? You ever heard that. The reality is, if we don't demonstrate devotion to God in the small things, then we will never find the courage to do so when confronting the big issues. If we won't be devoted to God in the small, seemingly insignificant areas, we'll never find the courage to stand up for Him when the big issues, when we're faced with the big time temptations. There's a reason Daniel and his friends are involved in some of the most spectacular events that we read about in the Old Testament. It's because they were faithful in the little things. And so Daniel resolved, he, he didn't back down. He made up his mind not to eat the food, not to defile himself. Let me ask you today, is there anywhere in your life right now that you're compromising some of your deepest convictions. Anywhere in your life right now, that if you're honest, you say, you know what, I know that the way I'm living there and the decisions I'm making, the things I'm saying, things I'm doing, they don't honor God. They don't demonstrate devotion to my Lord and Savior. Ken Davis tells the story of an incident at a traffic light near the edge of town 
uh, Hell's Angel type gunned the engine of his huge Harley Davidson motorcycle as he waited for the light to change. And as he waited at the light, this elderly man on a lime green moped uh, pulled up beside him. And Ken says that the the ringy-ding-ding of the moped was drowned out by the roar of the the Harley. Boy, that's some motorcycle you got there, the the old man said. Uh, Mind if I take a closer look? And the biker kind of gave him the once over and said, well, if it turns your crank, old timer, knock yourself out, go ahead. The old man, was, he was a little far-sighted, and, and he wanted to take in all the scenery, so he leaned his face right over the bike, and he examined every inch of it. Looking up, after a while, the old man grinned and, and said to the biker, I bet that motorcycle goes fast. Uh, but no sooner were the words out of his mouth and the light changed, and the biker thought he'd show this old geezer what a real bike could do. So he gave it full throttle, and within like 30 seconds, I mean, his speedometer read 199 miles an hour. I mean, he is just going. He chuckled with satisfaction until suddenly he noticed a dot in his rearview mirror, a dot that was growing closer and growing larger. Something was gaining on him, and so he slowed down to kind of check it out to get a better look, and whatever the thing was, it just flashed by him so fast He couldn't even tell what it was. It just went zooming by him. He couldn't identify it. Thing just disappeared over the horizon, whipped around, and came back right at him. As it zipped past, he recognized the rider. It was the old man on the light green moped, lime green moped. He thought, how could this be? So the biker took another look in his rearview mirror, and there was that speck again, growing larger, coming back his way. Biker tried to outrun it, but it couldn't be done. It was kind of a moot point in seconds for the moped just slammed into the rear of this Harley-Davidson. The collision destroyed both bikes. You could hear the impact for miles. The biker extricated himself from the mangled steel pretzel that had been his once beloved Harley-Davidson. But the old man had fared even worse. He he lay groaning uh, beneath the black and smoking remains of his moped. Even the hardened biker was just moved to compassion. He knelt beside the old man's face and he just softly replied, is there anything I can do for you? The old man choked and and he coughed and and he finally replied, yes, could you please unhook my suspenders from your handlebars? Come on. (laughs) It's just a very vivid image, isn't it? Okay, you've probably heard it before, so this is what a great vivid, this is what Ken writes after telling the story. He says, you and I would never purposely hook our suspenders to anything dangerous. And yet many of us might be willing to lean over for a closer look. The world around us is littered with the mangled lives of men and women who never intended to get hooked. They only wanted to get a closer look at the shiny colors of some forbidden sin. The husband who never intended to lose his family, but decided it was okay to flirt around the boundaries of adultery. I mean, no one was looking. And now he pulls himself from the wreckage of a smoking marriage. The business person who decides that cutting an ethical corner here and there will make the ride to the top a little quicker. Besides, no one will ever know. And now she's just a collision course waiting to happen. 
Here's the challenge this morning for you and for me. When no one is looking, will you have integrity? When no one is looking, will you make a resolution in your heart to honor God no matter what? No matter what? Quite honestly, some of you have probably hooked your suspenders up to the wrong thing. And you're feeling the pain right now. Maybe today you need to just resolve, you know what, I I will honor God. I will not hand over my life to any person, to any relationship, to any job, to any boss, to any habit, to any force, to any schedule. I will be different. I will be like Daniel. I will resolve. I will decide in my heart to honor God even when no one is watching. Daniel refused to get tangled up with anything that was going to cause him to betray his deepest values and his devotion to God. Look at what happens next. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. You know what else helped Daniel keep his integrity when no one was watching? He verbalized his intentions. Do you see that? He verbalized his intentions. Here's Daniel. He's out of town. He's away from the temple. There's no synagogue to go to on the Sabbath. A lot of accountability has been removed from him. And here he is in Babylon. Satan's whispering, you know, whatever happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. All right? And yet somehow Daniel resolves not to defile himself. And part of that resolve was just verbalizing it to others. He was so wise to, that he added this layer of accountability. Sharing it with others lets others know of your intentions. Bring it out in the open. Call attention to struggles that you may have. Call attention to disagreements you may have. Share it with others. Tell your, co- your coworker, you know, I'll go on the business trip with you, but don't expect me to participate in your late night escapades. Or, you know what, for the good of our entire family, I'm going to get a filter on our computer just so that there could be no temptations for any of us. Early on, let your prom date know that your intentions are pure and that you're looking forward to a great non-alcoholic time together. Daniel 1, 9 and 10 says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord and King who's assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. In other words, Daniel's proposal doesn't go over so well. The chief official is concerned that if they don't eat the food and they don't drink the wine, that they're going to be unfit for service. And if they're unfit for service, guess who's going to take the fall for that? He is. And he knows how Nebuchadnezzar works. And so he's like, ah, I'm not really into that. But Daniel's devoted. And again, he refuses to back down. I think Daniel hears that and he goes, wasn't exactly a yes, but wasn't exactly a no either. And so he devises this plan that just might allow him the opportunity to maintain his faith and principles. Look at verse 11 of Daniel 1. Daniel then said to the guard, please test your servants for 10 days. Just 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. Now that's a big risk that Daniel's taking. 
thinking that in 10 short days, their God-honoring Jewish diet could transform their appearance. I mean, for 10 days, Daniel's future kind of just hung in the balance. Well, let me tell you something. It was a risk, but it was more than that. It was more trust than it was risk. Daniel trusted God to take care of them. See, our problem, I think, a lot of times is we don't trust God enough to do the right thing. Our, our problem, a lot of times, we don't, we don't have the willpower to, to handle the pressure and, and the ridicule. We don't trust that he'll take care of our physical needs. And, and, and I see this, and you see this all the time. You know, I, I, I hear someone say, well, if I, you know, if I don't sleep with my boyfriend or, or, or my girlfriend, what, what if, you know, they dump me because of that? And, and, and what if I don't find somebody else for me? And you just kind of, you know, give in to your convictions, just sacrifice your convictions. You give in because you don't trust God to honor you for your obedience. You don't trust God to, to even bless you for your obedience and to bring somebody else better into your life who shares your convictions. Or, or we say, you know, I, I can't continue to tithe during this economic crisis. I mean, my, my goodness, I, I mean, God would understand. And so we just stop giving what God requires because, quite honestly, we don't trust God. We don't trust Him to meet whatever needs we have. And any more that, to even maybe even give us the desires of our heart. We don't trust Him. We don't trust God enough to do the right thing. And then we wonder why we don't feel the presence of God. Daniel puts his life on the line. He says, okay, God, this is in your hands. I mean, I, I, I'm rolling the dice. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. You're it. Friends, when Daniel does it, that's trust. That's trust. Here's what Daniel found out, and here's what we need to find out, and we need to believe so much in our lives. What Daniel found out and his buddies found out is that God takes full responsibility for the life that's fully devoted to him. Do you know that? God takes full responsibility for the life that's fully devoted to him. And so many times we, we give in and, and we, you know, we do things that we know God doesn't want to do because we just don't believe that. We don't believe it. And what happens is we fail to go on the adventure with God that these guys got to go on. We fail to take part in just amazing, miraculous things because of what these guys got to take part in because we don't trust God enough to do the right thing. God takes full responsibility for the life that's just fully devoted to him. Listen to the result of Daniel's trust and devotion, beginning in verse 15. It says, at the end of the 10 days, they look healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. And in fact, they look so good that the, the guard took away everybody's steak and put everybody on the veggie platter. That's how good they looked. Verse 18, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, the king talked with them, and he found none equal, none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, 
and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them not just better, ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. I wonder what you could do for 10 days. I wonder what you could tackle for the next 10 days. And you say, I I choose to read my Bible for the next 10 days. Maybe I'm going to read through Daniel the next 10 days. I I elect not to gossip about anyone for the next 10 days. I I elect not to complain about anything for the next 10 days. I, I, I will not visit any questionable website for the next 10 days. I I will pray for 10 minutes each day for the next 10 days. I I wonder, what what could you tackle for 10 days? What could you resolve to do to demonstrate your devotion to God for just 10 days? And then to see what good God would bring out of it. To see how God would honor that kind of devotion. Can I tell you why Daniel could make the right decision? This is so incredibly important. Here's why Daniel could make the right decision. It's because he made it beforehand. See, the the Hebrew there, the Hebrew word for resolved, it it conveys the idea that he actually made his decision long before he was actually presented with the challenge. He, he He didn't wait until he was faced with it. He decided ahead of time. He put himself in that situation ahead of time so it didn't have to be a snap decision because we don't do real well with snap decisions, do we? He resolved ahead of time. And so what can you resolve ahead of time today so that tomorrow when the temptation comes, you stand strong? Because the decisions you make today will impact tomorrow. And who can you share your intentions with? Someone who will pray for you and will hold you to those convictions and those decisions. Sometimes we compromise our integrity because we don't trust God to take care of us. Sometimes we compromise our integrity because rather than relying on the Holy Spirit, we try to live by the flesh. And and, and Satan is able to influence us. Let me just say this, if, if you make your choices based on whether or not others can see what you're doing, then you will not always make the wisest decision. But if your actions follow your convictions, it won't matter whether anyone sees you or not. It won't matter. A couple of years ago, my family was vacationing in Florida and when Sunday morning came, we traveled a little ways to attend church and, and eat lunch with Cody and Jeanette Seagraves. Uh, some of you remember Cody and Jeanette when they attended here before work moved them down to Florida. And uh, after leaving their home that afternoon, we'd hung out for a while and we made our way back to the toll road that we were going to take to where we were staying on vacation. And that's where we kind of ran into a problem as we were approaching this Uh, To get on this toll road, we had to pay a toll at an unmanned toll booth. And as we were approaching it, I realized I didn't have any more change. I'd used all my change coming over there, and Lisa didn't have any more change. 
So I did what any normal person would do. I slowed down, and I just went straight through it, okay? You've probably done that before. I just went straight through it, and I kind of felt badly for like a second and a half, you know. Uh, but I wasn't really too worried about it. You want to know why? Because I thought, no one's watching. Yeah, that's okay. Well, as it turns out, someone was watching. And, and believe it or not, it wasn't a highway camera, and it wasn't a local police officer. It was actually my oldest daughter in the back seat. We get about a mile down the road, half a mile down the road, and Madison pipes up, uh, just you know, honestly asking a question, yeah, why were we allowed on the road? I didn't see you put any money in there. I was caught. <laughs> One of those awkward moments. And here's the deal. If, if you, let me just say it again, if you make your choices based on whether or not you think others will see you or not, you will, all, you will not make the wisest decisions. But if you'll make your choices, if, you're, if your actions will follow your convictions, then it won't matter whether anyone else sees you or not because you'll always do the right thing. The message title today, When No One is Looking, is kind of misleading because someone is always watching, right? Romans 14, 12 tells us that someday each of us will give an account for every deed and every idle word. But the Bible also says that there is one who sees what's done in secret and will reward you for it. Someone is looking and he wants you to win the battle long before the temptation avails itself. You've been created in the image of a God who loves you and longs for you to resolve that by early on taking a stand. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and your trust in God, you can pass your moment of truth. And let me just tell you why this is so important, the story we've looked at today. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at some of the most spectacular stories in the Old Testament. This is my one of my favorite books of the Bible. And uh, they're just amazing stories. But let me tell you something. Daniel and his buddies go on an adventure with God. But I'll tell you this. If they hadn't made this decision in this one little area, then God wouldn't have trusted them to make it through these other areas. It all started here. If you're faithful in the little things, God will trust you with the big things. And remember, God takes full responsibility for the person who's fully devoted to him. And maybe for some of you today as we start this series uh, and as we close today, maybe it's your turn to, to just, and your time just to, to turn around, do an about face and just say, Lord, I'm totally sold out to you. I got some areas I need to resolve right now today before I go back to work, before I go back home, whatever it may be. And I resolve that I will not defile myself. I will turn my life completely over into your hands. And I trust you, God, to take care of my life in each and every situation. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Daniel. Thank you for the example that he and, and his buddies are for us thousands of years later. Thank you for preserving these stories of, 
about guys who are just fully devoted to you. And Lord, we just confess to you this morning that there are so many areas of our lives where we compromise our convictions because we're afraid others are watching. We're afraid what the world may say and the ridicule we may receive. And so we give in. And we sacrifice things we believe. Lord, we thank you for forgiving us of those things. And I pray today, as we start this series, Lord, that you would just, that your spirit would just move in our hearts. And that we would just take seriously even the little things in our life. That we would look at those little choices, those little temptations as opportunities to cast a vote of allegiance towards you. Whether people are looking at us or whether no one's watching. Because those little choices, Lord, go a long ways towards determining the kind of adventure we have with you in this life. And Lord, I know there are probably different things that have come up in each one's mind here today. Areas that they've, each one has maybe just sacrificed their convictions and, and given in. Lord, I pray it today, right now, before they even leave here this morning. Or that each one in this room will just resolve, just as Daniel did, not to defile themselves. Not to, not to cast a vote towards the world. But just to resolve to be devoted to you in every decision they make. And Lord, we know that you'll take full responsibility of our lives if we'll do just that. And we look forward to the adventure of a life with you and the ways that you'll use us if we're faithful to you in the little things or the big things that you'll be able to use us in to expand your kingdom here on this earth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Before we close today, let me give you the full